Father, we come to you today and we submit our lives to you in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Father, as we gather together as your church, let your word be established in our hearts and our minds so that we would become people that accurately reflect your glory. And as we walk circumspectly as Christians, that we would advance your kingdom mission in this world. Open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord, and gird up the loins of our minds as we prepare and are expectant to be transformed by your truth today. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips as I bring this word and that you would anoint the ears of those listening and that Christ's exalting truth would change us from the outside in as you work on the inside to soften our hard hearts. And I ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen and amen. You may take your seats this morning. Welcome to everyone in the house. Welcome to our visitors, those that are here for the baby dedication, all the families. It is so good to be with you this morning. Church, today I want to speak to you about fighting a good fight. You would have seen the title of my message, Fighting a Good Fight. And through this message today, it is my prayer that we would all walk away from this place challenged about life and eternity and fighting a fight that is worthy of the price that Jesus paid for on the cross and worthy of our calling as Christians. You know, church, over the past couple of weeks, we've had a couple of families in our church that have lost loved ones. We had a funeral this week for Brian Tendai's nephew, Anthony, and next week I will be bringing a message for Father uh, Franco's dad's uh, father's dad which doesn't make sense Franco's dad's funeral next week so there's been quite a loss in our family our condolences our love and prayers go to these families and other families that have recently lost loved ones over this time and in this time church just thinking about the impact of death and the finality of death on the people left behind in those moments when death becomes so real it always brings a different perspective to life. I don't know if you've ever been there or if you've been close to that point, but it always brings a different perspective to life. It's in those moments when the reality of your own mortality becomes so real. It's often when most people who have experienced such painful loss begin to suddenly reflect on their own lives and know down deep in the depth of their own hearts that their lives need to change. Because if they were in the same position, they would want to adjust a few things, maybe many things, and live differently before their time is up. And you see, church, death has a way of inspiring you to live today as if it were your last day. It has a way of spurring you on to finish your race strong. And that's really why I want to talk to you today about fighting a good fight. As a number of our congregation are suffering loss, whether it's fresh or something that's happened a couple of months ago or perhaps even years ago, let's explore the Word of God together to find perspective, to bring hope and to move forward and to prepare ourselves for that day when Jesus calls us. And the passage of Scripture that I want you to have a look at with me this morning is 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verses 6 to 8. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
And it says, For I am already been poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Church, I want to start by giving you an analogy this morning. In sports like rugby and and football and baseball, the most fulfilling thing and the most successful thing for a player to do is to either score a try or a goal, or as in baseball, to reach home plate, right? The whole goal in baseball is to be able to circle and to get home and to hear the umpire say, you're safe. Right? I'm sure you've seen that where a, where a bat is sliding into home base and then the umpire shouts, you are safe. To be able to get home safely is the goal of every baseball player who comes to the plate. He most certainly doesn't want to strike out, but even if he reaches first base or second base or third base, he has not met his goal until he gets home. For every sportsman or sportswoman, it's either... It's their goal to achieve the ultimate outcome for what that sport was designed for. Every sport is designed to reach a destination or an outcome. And as I reflected on some of the losses our church family have suffered over the past while and people that have gone home, and the importance of us fighting a good fight while we are still alive, It made me think of a quote that I heard from Pastor Tony Evans that I want to share with you. And he says, the best way to have a life worth living for is to have a death worth dying for. The best way to have a life worth living for is to have a death worth dying for. In this scripture that we just read, Paul is saying goodbye to Timothy, his son in the faith. And in his goodbyes, he has some very valuable lessons for us all. He says in verse 6, the time of my departure has come. He knew his life was coming to an end. He knew that his time on earth was closing. And he wanted Timothy to know that it was, it was okay. And you see, church, all of us have a time. You have a time and I have a time. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 9 that it is appointed for man to die once and after this, the judgment. All of us have a time to go home. The problem is we don't know when the time is. And even as I stand here today and look out at all of you, I can't say for certain who are the old people in our church. Because how old you are is not determined by your birth date, but by your death date. I mean, you could be 30 and you're only going to make it to 35. That means you, you're pretty old. But if you're 30, you're going to make it to 90 or 100. You're still pretty young. But since we don't know whether we're going to make it to 30 or 35 or to 90 or to 100, we don't know who the old folks are in the house today. Many people think they're younger when they're older than they think because we don't know their time. When a professional rugby player or a football player enters into the league, they plan for a long career. 
None of them plan to only make it a year or two. They want to play at least 15 to 20 years to make as much success and as much money as, as they can and possibly even make it into the Hall of Fame and be classified as legends in their sport. They have long-term vision and long-term goals. But those of you who have watched sport long enough know that some of those goals are out of their hands. The coach may cut them from the team. And if it's a high-impact sport, they might get seriously injured. They may not reach the goals that they have because no matter how hard you plan, certain things are out of your hands. You don't know whether you're going to get sick. You don't know whether your life is going to change in an instant. You don't know all that is down the line. And let me tell you, church, death has a way of surprising you. Death is the number one killer. That's true. Paul says, the time of my departure is at hand. And what was it about Paul that prepared him for this time? This time that you and I will at some point face in our lives. You may have faced it with loved ones recently or in the past, but for most, for us church, we're going to face it sometime ourselves. It may hit suddenly, but for most people it comes progressively through illness or through old age. And Paul says three things in verse 7 that I want to show you as he talks about his departure. The word departure, church, I want you to get this picture. The word departure is an anchor that's been drawn up by the ship so that the ship can move from the dock to a new shore. The first thing he says in verse 7 is, he says, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. And I hope you know this morning that all our fights on this earth are, are not worth fighting for. Because far too many of us are spending far too much time with bad fights. The word good means that which is beneficial and helpful. He said I fought a good fight. In other words, he says the fights I had in life were to make things better. Because you see, Paul had a lot of fights. He had to fight for his life constantly people were chasing after him to kill him they wanted to whip him they wanted to beat him they stoned him he was even shipwrecked at one point right there were many moments where he was fighting for his very existence but he said I fought a good fight and I wish I could come here today and tell you that if you're following Jesus you're not going to have any fights in life that you're not going to have any battles I wish it was that simple that if you're following Jesus, there will be no trials, no troubles or difficulties. But let me tell you this morning, church, the only reason that you've got to fight is because something is fighting you. And you know who that is. Paul says, if you're going to fight, make it a good one. I fought a good fight. Let me say something to you this morning. Too many couples here today are fighting bad fights. Because you're fighting over stuff that is non-beneficial. And God forbid, but when death comes knocking and that person is gone, you look back at the stuff that you argued about and fought about and shouted at each other about and swore at each other about and you look back and say that was a bad fight. 
Because it added absolutely no benefit for your life. It was non-beneficial. Church members fight over petty things like differences in doctrine or, you know, seats in the church. Or church members get so easily offended by correction from leadership or just a correction from a, a loving brother. Like that's a good fight. People fight over skin color like that is a good fight. Cultures fight. They fight over things that do not matter. If you at your time of departure want to be able to connect with heaven, you better choose your fights wisely. You know, church, I've spoken to a number of people after they've lost loved ones, and nine times out of ten, there are regrets in the way that they handle those relationships with those people that are now gone. There are regrets in the way that they disagreed on things and how they didn't speak for a day or two or even for a week or two. Because in that moment when you realize that that person is now gone forever, you would do anything that you can to get those moments back where you wasted time on stuff that wasn't beneficial. So when you look at your battles in life, you must ask the question, not am I fighting, but is it worth the battle? Come on. He says, I fought a good fight. It was beneficial for me and for those that came after me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I do not box as one beat in the air. In other words, I'm not messing around here. I'm not playing the fool. I'm not shadow boxing. Because if it was a good fight, I went for the knockout punch. Because if it's a good fight, if it's beneficial, if it's helpful, if it's life-changing, if it's impactful, if it will make a difference in someone else's life, you go for the knockout. So yes, you fight for your marriage. You fight for your son or your daughter that is gone astray because that is a good fight. You fight for your well-being. You fight to make other people's lives better. You fight to get a healthy balance in your life, church, so that you can fulfill God's purposes in your life because that is a good fight. Fight a good fight, amen? Make sure what you're getting divorced over is not something petty. That is not a bad fight. Or that broken relationship between mother and son or father and son, that is not a bad fight. Take back those words now while you still have time. Fight a good fight. The second thing Paul says is, I finished my course. I finished my course. Paul was saying, I completed what I was put here on the earth to do. And I want to say to you this morning, church, and I'm going to say to myself as well, don't waste your life so that when you're finished, you weren't actually finished. That you never got around to what God created and redeemed you to be. And that there was nothing eternal about your life with the, with the, with the course that God had for you that you actually accomplished that. Because God has a course for every believer to serve his kingdom and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want to make a statement this morning, church. Don't end your life wondering why you lived. Don't end your life wondering why you lived. When you come to those last days of your life, you're wondering, what was the purpose of my life? 
Fight a good fight. Finish the course. When we attended the funeral of Anthony this week, my mother-in-law, Noelle, whom you know very well, conducted the ceremony. And she shared a small part of her life story of how she was abused as a, as a child and how rough her life was when she was younger. And that if it wasn't for her mother, who was a godly woman, life could have turned out very differently, where she might not be the godly example that she is to us right now. But because her mother stayed the course and didn't allow the trials of life to steal her eternal hope, all her children, all her, all her grandchildren, all her great-grandchildren are now serving the Lord. One woman decided to stay the course and it impacted generations. And then obviously meeting and marrying Robbie, my father-in-law, set an even greater foundation for a legacy, for a legacy to be established in generations to come, even to the point, church, where it would impact my life, where I'm completely sold out for God and serving Him in this capacity. Only God knew that one was possible. So I want to encourage you this morning, stay the course, because it not only affects your eternity, it, it affects the eternity of generations to come. It will leave the fingerprints of God on those who come after you. When it comes time, church, for God to transition me and you into eternity, let us be able to say, you know what, I'm finished. Not like I'm finished, I hate this life, but I'm finished. I fought a good fight, I finished the course. Paul thirdly says, I kept the faith. I didn't walk away from my faith. When times got hard, I did not give up on Jesus. And church, whether you've already experienced it or you're going to experience it, things are going to happen in your life where the ruler of this world is going to try and derail your faith. If you're human, it's going to happen. Whether you're staring down at at unemployment or you're staring down at bankruptcy, keep the faith. Whether you've just received a bad health report and you have a long journey of treatment and recovery ahead of you, you keep the faith. Whether your marriage is falling apart and all your children have gone astray, I want to tell you this morning, don't give up the faith. You fight a good fight. And even this morning, if you're sitting here and you feel like you can't handle life anymore, and the enemy is telling you that you're useless and your life is not worth living anymore, the one who has called you by name says, do not give up the faith. I don't care how bad things get. You don't walk out on Jesus. You keep the faith. You stay with the Lord. Paul says, I didn't give up. When I wanted to give up, when I wanted to throw in the towel when I got too tired I fought a good fight I finished the course I kept the faith Paul comes to his final verse and in, in verse 8 he says in the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Before he left, he knew that there was an award that was awaiting him. 
And church, wouldn't that be a great way to finish your course in life? That you can say with confidence that you fought the good fight, that you finished the course and that you've kept the faith. And in your closing days and weeks and months of your year, you, of your years, you have an expectation for this crown. My mother-in-law, Noel, has been at the bedside of many loved ones before they were taken up into glory. Many people in our church, many friends and families, and in those moments, she said she could really experience the presence of God and angels when they were taken up into glory. And on some occasions, they would even, she would, these people would say to her, listen, I can see my father, or I can see my mother, or I can see Jesus. I can see the angels coming to fetch me. What a privilege to finish your course in that way. And know that when you get to the other side, that Jesus is waiting to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. What a privilege, right? And church, that's why it's so important to fight a good fight. So that what God foreknew about you and what he predestined for you, you fight to really accomplish that. To leave legacy and to leave heritage for your, your children, your grandchildren, and your generations to come. Paul says, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. Do you know what that means, church? Is that death doesn't have the final say. Someone needs to say amen there. Death doesn't have the final say. You know, church... If you are a parent this morning, you'll know that children ask you some of the most direct questions you could ever think of, right? Some of the questions that you don't always want to answer. But they'll ask you questions like, you know, Daddy, when I die one day, how long will it take me to be with Jesus? Will I be laying in the ground for a couple of days, a couple of years, a couple of hundred years? How long will it take for me to be in the presence of, of the Lord? And if they ask you the question this morning, Maybe someone needs to hear this today. But to be absent with the body means to be present with the Lord. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. And when you have that assurance, church, that you don't get to stay dead when you die, when you have that confidence in the Lord, what a blessing to live that way. What a blessing to die that way. So if you are here today and you're a Christian, if you are here today and you love the Lord, you follow Him because this life is your dress rehearsal for eternity. And you may say, listen, this, this life is hard. It's tough. I don't know if I can do this. Yes, it is tough. But church, if I had to ask you to eat Brussels sprouts for six months and you really hated Brussels sprouts, but I said to you, you know what? If you ate Brussels sprouts for six months, I will pay your bills for the rest of your life. You'll have a different view on Brussels sprouts, right? And your life may have Brussels sprouts in it. But God says, if you'll fight a good fight, if you'll finish a course, you'll keep the faith. He says, I've got you covered for your eternal destiny. And I'm going to pay your debts forever and forever and forever. So you keep on fighting a good fight. When a professional sportsman or sportswoman retires, when it's over, he or she moves off the scene and, and goes home. 
And the teammates will miss that person because they're no longer playing by their side, but the teammates still have to keep on playing. Even though they miss their teammate and their teammate is gone, and their teammate added so much value to, to that team and to that game, they, they have to keep playing. And I want to say to you this morning, if your teammate is, going, is gone, you keep playing. You keep blocking and you keep tackling because the game of God's kingdom goes on. And even if you haven't lost a teammate, play as if this life and what you have left of it is the last game that you'll ever play or the last fight that you're going to have before you hang up your gloves and give every ounce of your life for God. Keep going, fight a good fight. You see, if you're here today and you're a Christian, the only hell that you're ever going to experience is the bitter hell that you get on this earth. But if you're not a Christian, the only heaven that you'll ever get is the bit of heaven that you experience here. And I want to say this to you this morning. If you are not sure of your eternal destiny, get that cleared up today. Because what Jesus has done is he's taken the sting out of death by dying for you and me on the cross. Did you hear what I said? Jesus has taken the sting out of death by dying for you and me on the cross. And I want to finish by, by telling you a short story this morning. You may have heard it before. It's a story about a, a father and his little boy on their way home from a camping trip. And on the way back, a bee flies in through the window. And this bee is buzzing around all over the place and making a lot of noise. And initially, you know, it's all fine. But eventually the bee starts to come closer and closer to this little boy. And he's, he's buzzing around his neck and his, his shirt and his face. And he starts to get afraid. And this little boy becomes terrified and he calls out to his daddy, Daddy, please, please this bee. So what the father does is he, he, he reaches out and he grabs this bee and he holds it in his hand. He holds it there and for a few moments, then he lets it go. And the bee is still buzzing around and buzzing around, making a noise. And the little boy says, Daddy, Daddy, please, the bee, the bee, the bee. And the father says to him, my boy, don't worry. That bee can't hurt you. It has only one sting and that sting is in my hand. All he can do now is, is intimidate you and make a lot of noise. Paul says, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Jesus has taken the sting out of death and died for you and for me. And all the enemy can do in your life right now is intimidate you, make you fearful and make a lot of noise. And so I invite those in the house and online this morning to come to Christ right now. If that's you and you're not sure that you'll be with Jesus the moment that you leave this earth, I want you to do the bravest thing that you've ever done and I want you to come to the front this morning. Don't just let it be a half-hearted commitment where you just raise your hand this morning. Make a bold statement today and give your life to Him. Because if you want a life worth living for, make sure that you have a death worth dying for. And maybe we can all stand while, while those people are thinking about what I've said.
If you have something in your heart this morning, tugging at your heart, and you're saying, should I or shouldn't I do this? I don't want to sound like a fatalistic preacher, but you might not have another opportunity to do this again in your life. If that's you, come to the front this morning. Run to the front this morning. Don't worry about the people around you. Remember, when you see God one day, you're going to be seeing Him and standing in front of Him, man on man or woman to man, woman to God. Is there anyone here this morning? Maybe there's someone watching online. So I'm going to, if that's you this morning, if you're not so keen to come up in front of people, I'll be here after the service. You can come to me and we can pray together. But as a church, you know what, let's just say this prayer. But perhaps those are people online that, that need to say this prayer and commit their hearts to the Lord this morning. Repeat after me. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sins and the life that I have lived. I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary and died for my sins. And I am now willing to turn from my sin. You said in the Bible that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So right now, I confess Jesus as Lord. With my whole heart, I believe that God raised him from the dead. This very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to His Word, right now I am saved. And from today, I declare that I belong to you. I am your son or your daughter. And I am privileged to call you Father. I, I, I open my heart to receive your love and all that you have for me. And I receive the Holy Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, and to teach me all the days of my life. Amen. Amen, church. Can we just thank God for His Word this morning and give the Lord a great shout of praise for the, the price that He paid for you and for me. What an amazing God we serve. Well, Emma Church, we're going to go into a, a dedication service now. We're going to say goodbye to our online community. For those watching online, thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed Sunday further. Uh, have an awesome week. Be a blessing to someone else. we we'll see you next week, and we love you very much.